Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 179. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me today, we have a returning guest, Leland Holcomb. Hi, Kip. Good to be back. And it's very good to have you back for what will definitely be one of the more experimental episodes of the show. And to explain the title to the audience, I was thinking recently about how, as people, our conceptualization of time, our relationship to it, differentiates us in many ways from the animal kingdom. And I think it is curious to see how people internalize that, how societies react to that idea. And I think that as a result, our relationship to impulses has changed as people because we see those who are impulsive as not being very rational, which is a sign of humanity to many of us, whether we acknowledge it or not. And I think as a result, we risk diminishing impulsive behavior as purely animalistic and unproductive. It's unhealthy, perhaps even on extreme ends, it is evil, demonic, blasphemous, or altogether problematic, whether for the individual or a larger group or community as a whole. I was thinking about how this human knowledge of time, this awareness that many of us will live for decades and on the healthier ends, perhaps for an entire century, and that our species has millennia of history contained within our DNA and our cultures, our societies, how all of that can come together in a detrimental way where we might see our knowledge, our imagination, and other human faculties as something that not only sets us apart from the animal kingdom, but elevates us above them. I would say that's not necessarily true. And I would pose the following example to illustrate that thought. For many of us, especially in certain nine to five jobs or as students, I think that many people are prone to procrastination. And many of us readily admit that we do it, we feel guilty about it, we might carry some light shame, but we don't ultimately do anything to correct or repair that behavior. And my theory there, and it is a theory for those listening that I have not studied this in the wild or in any sociological realm, is that our knowledge that as people, we will ultimately have more time to complete our tasks actually allows us to deviate from our path and not complete the tasks ahead of us, where as an animal, and of course there are many animals in the animal kingdom, but your basic survival instincts compel you to find food, shelter, and potentially mates, and rather simplistic drives, or at least quantitatively fewer goals and tasks when compared to humans, allow animals, I think, to be, in a sense, more genuine, more productive, and I know I said I was going to give you a more formal and concrete thought and then branched out into several sentences, but I'd really love to know specifically on the idea of procrastination. Do you think that our knowledge of time as people does us the disservice that I feel it often can? So my understanding of what you just said is that the notion that we have a longer amount of time to get things done can actually allow for procrastination, which would be a detrimental thing. And therefore we act less on our impulses because we have an understanding that there is more time in which we can fulfill whatever goals we have. That was very well said. That's precisely it. Yeah, and I think it's a very interesting point. Certainly, the idea of procrastination comes out of a sense that we can do things later, which does require a sense of time that I think our more animalian instincts don't represent accurately. But when I typically think of impulses, I think of them as hindrances to a goal, typically. One example I'll give is when I write a paper, my goal that I actually want to do in my head is to finish the paper. 
but I'll frequently have impulses such as go on YouTube and watch music videos or eat some food or take a nap because I'm probably tired. And those are all stopping me from reaching my goal. But often too, the impulses that you have along the way, if you can act on them, are very freeing. And I think I typically try to put myself in situations where I can be impulsive because that leads to more creativity because I'm actually representing what I'm thinking at the time and how I'm interacting with my environment rather than a prescribed idea, which is that I'm going to do A in 10 minutes and nothing else can stop me. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I typically like to be a little bit less structured because I think allowing for impulsive behavior is part of what makes you human in some ways, but also together with the ability to reason and take time to really come up with what you want to do and act on long-term goals, which I think acting only on impulses doesn't allow. But I think allowing yourself to be impulsive is very important because it allows you to be very creative and more in the moment, which I think is a very passionate way to live. And there are two things you said there that I'm really intrigued by. You said acting on impulses is part of what makes us human. I would actually contend the resistance of impulses is actually what a lot of people would put forth as a trait of humanity. For example, think of a news broadcaster who maybe has to describe a rather funny or emotional story. The professional nature of their job, the very human structure that we impose upon one's employment and role in society dictates for that specific role that they not laugh, that they not make any funny faces or react in a very genuine, perhaps impulsive way to the stories or information that they are sharing with the audience. I think similarly, when you talk about writing a paper or writing in any way, being artistic or intellectual, I think requires a containment and perhaps a resistance to impulses. Maybe someone's making a movie and their impulses at some point will say, well, I'm frustrated with these actors. I can't take it anymore. I don't want to work with them. They're non-responsive. They don't understand my artistic vision and I just want to give up. An impulse would say, well, go for it. Give up. You're frustrated. Just go home and forget all of this. And I think the fact that human beings can create art, which is something I'd like to come back to, actually reflects our ability to say no to some of our impulses. So I'm really intrigued by that idea that you put forward. And similar to what I've just described, you mentioned how you have to limit some of your impulsive reactions to achieve long-term goals. And I completely agree. I suppose some of what I lament in society, which is, of course, a broad stroke to make, but in society as I've observed it, largely Western society, we listen so little to our impulses, which is where I think my original thought for this episode came from, that we're less genuine. We are, in a sense, not truly ourselves because we don't listen to our impulses. I think standardized testing or any other almost factory-like behavior that we as a population engage in takes human intellect and other human faculties that might separate us from other animal inhabitants of the world, and it warps those faculties and pushes them to an extreme that removes some of the emotion, some of the individuality from life. And so I absolutely agree that to achieve long-term goals, you have to have a certain restrictive response to impulses, but I think many of us take that too far. And as one example in my mind, I think the way we navigate the physical world speaks to our relationship as people to impulses. We have paved roads saying you should follow this track, you should travel in a very specific way. And don't get me wrong, a paved road allows me to see friends more easily. It gives me a clear path that is easy to navigate. But then I think of animals who can wander off into the woods and sort of explore their terrain, not hampered down by knowledge of home and places to travel and certain locations they need to reach. 
And I envy that in a way. And so specific to this idea of exploration as a product of impulsive reaction, I'd really love to know what your thoughts there are. I think what you point out is that there's a definite utility to limiting impulses insofar as you can use reason and critical thinking to develop more complex structures. And it's definitely very helpful when you're driving. It's actually quite dangerous for people to be impulsive. There are rules you have to follow. And those rules are done for a reason because it makes things operate more effectively, more safely for everybody. But you also presented a nice dichotomy between the romantic freedom that impulse allows compared to the structure of more reasoned thinking. And the reason I said before that it's more human to be impulsive That was probably an incorrect statement. What I really meant to say is more of your personality as a human shines through when you're impulsive. Because the opposite that I think of is a robot where they follow only rules and they're only structured and they're only reasoned because they've already thought through. They have formulas for how to process information. They don't have any impulsive tendencies. Whereas an animal or what we're defining an animal as, which is acting totally on impulse, wouldn't have that at all and therefore would be sort of in a state of anarchy. And I really love that because now I'm picturing a spectrum of sorts where humans fall directly in between these two extremes, a robot agent who is completely devoid of impulse and only acts upon rules and regulations as you've described, and then on the opposite end, an animal agent of sorts who is purely impulse. And of course, that is a broad generalization. There are animals in the animal kingdom who are patient hunters and who do have an understanding, if I can say that, though perhaps not a conception of how time operates and what time is. But I really appreciate that comparison. I'm glad you've introduced robots as another way to conceptualize or illustrate directly what we're talking about. What excites me is when we operate between the two extremes, we often act within a defined structure, whether it be driving on the road or making any other sort of art, to go back to what you were mentioning earlier. Art operates within bounds, so you either have a canvas that you have to operate under or sometimes they eliminate that. What I think makes art quite interesting, and one of the many things that makes art quite interesting, whether it be music or painting or anything else, is that it can often show you the relationship between rules and structure in your lives and the imagination and impulse, if you will, that surrounds us, that these rules don't have to be made. These are structures that we're making ourselves to act in different fashion than an impulse would for set goals or sometimes wrong goals. But for whatever reason, we can sort of look at the rules that surround us and the structures that we have in place through art. And it really highlights times and places and people in really special and typically innovative ways. I think the best art is defined by its creativity, which is typically the shunning of rules or structures that would come from more normal life. I guess I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the relationship between art and the structure in our world and how that plays into the structures that we have around us and impulsive behavior within those structures. Well, I think the relationship between art and impulsivity is a really beautiful one because I would contend, again, this is my understanding, I hope in fact that listeners have a different perception and will contact us and say what they thought after listening to some of our ideas. But I personally feel that art is, in a sense, impulsivity which has been refined and set upon a creative pedestal of sorts, paid extreme attention to. I love hearing about people's experiences training to be artists or going to art school because you have a creative spark in you, something that desires to create. And I think creation is, in a sense, an impulsive idea that what previously did not exist is going to spring into being from an idea, a conception of something. 
And I think art is especially powerful for that reason, because we as human beings can encapsulate some of our impulse and preserve it, which I think is so interesting because impulse in many ways operates to disrupt time, that what our schedules dictate or what we were planning on doing is suddenly interrupted by a brand new thought and we're on a new path or maybe we choose not to follow that impulse and so the path remains. And I think the ability that you can encapsulate impulse within art is so powerful because I can share a piece of music perhaps that I've recorded with someone across the world and the raw emotions or the ideas that I put into that music are then translated into that person's life. Perhaps they feel a particular emotion when hearing it or dance in a certain way. And that's not even to say that the impulse is translated one to one. I could produce art, and I'm using music as a hypothetical example, but any other art could stand in just as well, and then share that art. And the impulse I originally had is not the impulse that it produces in whoever consumes that art, which I think is so fascinating and why I would always urge people who have even an ounce of artistic spark or a vague idea to pursue it, to treat that impulse as something that is not only temporary, but urgent, like a message that's vanishing in a stormy sea. You should pay attention to where it was because using the stormy sea metaphor, life will hit you with all other jetsam and flotsam and you may not find that artistic idea again which is why I often write down ideas that I have late at night because I want to capture whatever it was that was passing through my mind. And as an example, if I hadn't written down this idea for a podcast on a nightly walk that I was taking, you and I might not be having this very theoretical conversation. Do you have any thoughts on how people harness impulses and perhaps looking at your life in particular? Have you ever taken advantage of a particular impulse that led you down a fascinating path or changed you in a dramatic way? Great question. I will say, I think it's really important for people to listen to impulses because I consider that what their gut's telling them. So sometimes that can keep you from trusting in reason. So sometimes reason can lead you astray if you're not following your passions and your gut. And one decision that I think of that I made, not without reason, but largely what pushed me over the edge was the gut feeling that I had, the impulse that I had was where I chose to go to college, which is Kenyan College. Where I came from, nobody knew about Kenyan. I didn't know about Kenyon. I applied because somebody had recommended the school to me and I didn't know anything about it when I applied. But when I went to the school, I just had this impulse and I had this thought, this feeling that, oh, I need to go to the school. And that helped me make the decision and put me over the edge. Whereas I could have reasoned other things and tried to think, oh, what is my major going to be? And if it's this major, maybe I should go here or somewhere else. I, of course, had reason in making the decision and I reasoned with the decision, but it was ultimately the impulse that led me to make that big decision and it changed the course of my life. And I think there are a lot of things that can happen that way. I think impulse is important to listen to because it can tell you sometimes what you're thinking internally, but what reason doesn't want you to know. And I think of Spock, for instance, one thing he couldn't do was love. And that was because love is typically an impulse or it's a gut feeling. It's not always reasoned. And in fact, sometimes it operates against reason, but typically for the better, I think. And I'm thrilled with how you phrased this idea that you should at least listen to your impulses because they can tell you how you're thinking and in a sense what you truly believe because I too would say you should listen and would not urge everyone to act upon every impulse because again, looking at this spectrum between humanity and animals and of course acknowledging the robotic comparison you mentioned earlier, I think acting upon every impulse, which I think many of us often falsely see in people around us that maybe suffer from addiction or seem to only act impulsively would push us towards a more animalistic behavior where we don't seem to have structure in our lives. 
But I think listening to those impulses, like you said, is a great way to calibrate some of your thoughts and feelings. And I also think bringing up addiction earlier, which is, of course, a very heavy and serious issue, if we recognized that someone was acting on an impulse, but perhaps not only on impulse and had certain reasons for pursuing a certain form of addiction, we might learn more about that person. And perhaps we could use language to talk to that person and understand not only how they were feeling, the impulse that perhaps brought them to the very serious state of addiction that I'm not trying to confront in a single podcast episode, but their rationale, which might keep them locked in a certain state of mind and with which we could engage as another rational being. And I think that's important because I don't believe anyone is devoid of reason. I think the proportions might differ from person to person, but I do think that while all of us have some degree of reason, all of us also have some degree of impulse or impulsivity. And there are people in my life who I rarely see act on impulse. In fact, To present another spectrum that I would love your thoughts on, I think as people, we're often most impulsive as children, when of course, we're still developing our faculties, and so it makes sense that we might be most closely representative of the animal kingdom that also inhabits the globe and with whom we share genetic history going back thousands of years. And as we become adults, we are more structured, we live more rigid lives. And that has often saddened me because I think we look back on our youth or some people talk about college, as you just referenced college, and some people think of it as the glory days, as quote unquote, the best years of their lives. And I think part of that is the freedom afforded by many collegiate environments where you can be impulsive. And so as a direct question to you, do you think the opportunity to act with impulse, whether or not you choose to be impulsive, is in and of itself a comforting freedom to know that your schedule, for example, is open enough to allow impulsivity? Do you think that affords the individual a sense of opportunity that in the quote unquote modern world we don't often find? I think the ability to act impulsively is a key function of being free. And I think a lot of us want to be free. I can at least say that for myself, that's one of the higher goals is to be as free as possible. And for instance, if you're in a set structure, if you work at, say, a nine to five job where you have to be at your desk at nine, you can't follow an impulse, however interesting it might be or beneficial to you, if it strikes at 845. In that sense, we definitely would benefit tremendously from being able to be impulsive. And I think you did a good job of also bringing forward what I think one of the main points that we're getting to is, which is that you should be in tune with yourself and your impulses in the moment, because that'll help you be more present, which I think is about the only moment you live in, but also can help you realize what you're truly thinking and feeling and how that interplays within what your long-term goals are. The biggest freedom is the ability to act on certain impulses and not act on other ones. And I think another interesting product of human society that animals don't necessarily enjoy or experience is that our knowledge of impulse in others allows for some pretty uncomfortable manipulation. For example, the pastime or vice, as many people see it, of gambling, I see as the ability for some individuals to prey upon the impulsivity of others, to convince them with the temptation of money and earning vast quantities of money that giving into your impulse and staying at this casino, for example, will allow you to come out better in the end, to succeed and carry off with your winnings in a state of impulsivity that has won over a system. And I think it's very interesting that not only do we as people understand impulses, 
There are certain systems, as you and I have mentioned, like work or school, that try to clamp down on impulses for a sense of productivity or regulation, but that on the other end of that spectrum, there are businesses which prey upon the impulsivity, I think, inherent in most of us. And at the very least, I would contend that in a highly structured society, the desire to be impulsive as a sign of freedom, as a sign of independence or self-reliance, becomes even more prominent because I think many of us don't like the idea that we are controlled by others. Naturally, impulsivity can whisper in your ear and say, well, if you act in this way, no one's controlling you. And even in a blend of these two examples of preying upon people's impulsivity and trying to form structure, a friend of mine recently shared a phone call with me in which he described a contract negotiation at his job and mentioned how he was offered a bonus after his employers came to the understanding that he would not sign the newer contract. And I immediately encoded that as an example of manipulation of impulsivity, or at least an attempt to, because they wanted to entice him with this cash up front, this instant gratification, to distract him from what is a longer term goal, as we had mentioned earlier in the episode, in this case being an annual contract that I think in many ways is where he should have paid the most attention. And I was very happy as he described this story to hear that he wasn't distracted by the bonus and said, I'd like some time to read this contract through a bit more. What do you think about this idea, though, of the manipulation of impulsivity in others? And do you think that it crosses ethical lines or that it's up to individuals to manage their own relationship to impulsivity? The ability to act impulsively relies on an access to opportunities. So I think what you're getting at in terms of our current system is that because we have so many options that we can choose from and we are often reinforced when we make certain decisions, there exists the opportunity to prey on people because of their impulsivity, because they have a tremendous amount of decisions that they make and they have a tremendous amount of options and therefore may be more open to impulsive decisions. Now, I don't think impulsive decisions are always bad and therefore I think the opportunity to be impulsive is quite important because it's interconnected with the fact that you have choices. Because the only way you could be devoid of impulse is if you're devoid of opportunity. That to me is a far worse scenario than the existence of preying on impulsivity. That is not to say that I condone certain activities, but I think it's important again to just look at it on the spectrum, to realize that some impulses are bad, some impulses are good, and it's our ability to decide between the two that defines us and is also sort of what we should use as a roadmap, I think. I think that was very well said. And before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to think about after listening to this discussion that we've had? I think one good takeaway could be that analyzing and paying attention to your impulses can be an important function of learning more about who you are and what situation you find yourself in. So I think it'd be a tremendous benefit to anybody to just pay attention more to those impulses and to work on limiting the impulses that you don't want to be operative and to act on more impulses that you think would actually better your life and in that way to pay more attention to them. So I would say to put it all together, I think thinking about impulse as both a good thing and a bad thing and something that can actually let your personality shine through and can help you feel more free, that you should pay attention to it as much as possible and try to live both a reasoned life, but also one that allows for some impulsivity so that you can be creative and be personal and truly act on your feelings as well as your reason. Again, I think that was very well said. I would encourage listeners to think about the balance between 
structure on impulsivity. I don't think either is its own evil except for cases of excess. Too much impulse prevents us from really producing anything or understanding ourselves, but too much structure conversely prevents creativity, prevents individuality and personality from entering and influencing our lives. And I'm particularly fond of and would encourage listeners to seek out certain structures or systems which allow for a form of safe or relatively contained impulsivity. I think improv classes, for example, or dance classes or any outlet for one's creativity that contains some structure. I think art, as the broader example we'd mentioned earlier, serves that function quite well. And I really do think allowing personal impulses to have some influence on our lives is what makes life interesting. And I would particularly encourage listeners who are procrastinating in areas of love. I think we often use time as an excuse not to tell the people we care about what they mean to us to act on those impulses a bit more. And I'm not saying you have to drive across the country and propose, but I think more of us in the realm of love and human affection and respect could act a bit more impulsively because I think that's always a nice surprise when someone shows that they care about you in an unexpected way. Even making spontaneous plans to spend time with someone you love, I think, can be a great surprise that adds flavor to our lives. And Leland, as a friend of mine who's definitely added flavor to my life, I'd like to thank you for coming on and talking today. Thank you, Kip. It was wonderful to speak with you. Always a great conversation. And I'm happy to hear it. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback of any kind, you can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon where you can enjoy perks like bonus episodes in exchange for your support. And as always, we thank you very much for listening, and from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark, signing off.